Thank you for downloading the Engineering Commons podcast. In this episode, we talk about bad music, bad legislation, and bad questions. But hopefully you'll have a good time as you listen to us discuss where this podcast might go in its next 100 episodes. The Engineering Commons podcast explores challenges encountered by engineers, regardless of their field or industry. Join mechanical engineer Jeff, civil engineer Adam, and electrical engineers Brian and Carmen as they discuss issues of interest to today's engineering professional. This is episode 97, Next 100, December 10th, 2015. So Adam, are you a long-range planner? Well, long-range, yeah. Short-range, not so much. Ooh, that's kind of different from most people. Yeah. Do you not do not, not make any short-term plans? I tr- really am not very good at them. You know, figuring out what I'm going to have for lunches, um, that's a it's a challenge. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so so what do you do? I mean, do you just stand there and and at the the sandwich counter and go uh, uh I don't know or was it, it more of a snap decision, you know, leaving the parking lot at work to go grab some lunch. Okay, uh left or right. Um uh, I'm in this lane. Let's go this way. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> With the confidence of knowing his 401k is taken care of. <laughs> but yes, yes, exactly. Um, but, you know, five years down the road, the big important stuff, yeah, I got that pretty well in, in the bag. And um, I mean, I, I've already got my work planned out for like the next six months, hopefully, you know, with wiggle wow. room for uh, wiggle room for the things that I know are going to happen that I don't know are going to happen yet. Mm. That makes sense. The unknown unknowns. Right. <laughs> it's those unknown knowns that get you. What what about the unknown unknowns? Oh man. Don't even get me started on the <laughs> unknown unknowns. And, and so as you as you put forward your six month plan, say Adam, mm-hmm. and so this was always a difficult thing for me was I could I could see things that needed to be done, but exactly what encompassed getting them done, I never seemed to know. And so any kind of advanced planning seemed to me kind of to be useless because I I just wasn't going to know enough until I got into it. So the important thing was getting started, but I but I always had great difficulty great difficulty trying to plan out what you know the entire scope of it was going to be. So are you just a, a better judge of your time and effort? Uh, I don't know about a good well, better. Um, I spend a lot of effort on it. Okay, um, but. Then again, that's what I have to do, and and fortunately, I am uh, afforded the opportunity to do so, to to look at what six months from now he has to look like, and make sure that because in order to fi- survive six months from now, I need to be working towards that goal today, mm-hmm. um, right? And just the ability to to realize that, and uh, unfortunately, that for fortunately, the uh, time to prepare for that now and not be. Uh, stuck running after all the fires today. Yeah. So one of the things in machine design, especially doing uh, custom machinery, which I was involved in, which meant that you would go from project to project where every project was new, you know, you, you were never doing the same thing twice. And so from a intellectual standpoint, it was a great challenge and very exciting, but from a money-making standpoint, it was a royal pain because you were never doing anything twice. You could never build up any efficiencies. 
So do you find that the projects you're taking on, I know that every, you know, every project has its own characteristics, but are they at least somewhat similar enough that, that you become more efficient at them as you go along? Um, yeah. And, you know, I think that there's subtle things you can do to generate efficiency that it doesn't matter if it's the same things like, uh, configuring your CAD software so that your shortcuts are set up properly, or, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to have to figure out your steel quantities and, and working on, um, streamlining an Excel sheet to keep track of that sort of thing. Right. So uh, there's enough overlap. And I think most projects that someone can start doing some of those things to be efficient and, you know, spend 20 minutes today, that'll save you five minutes the next time and five minutes the time after that and five minutes the time after that and five minutes the time after that. And before you know it, you've made back your 20 minutes. Yeah. Well, but, but it does remind me, I, at, at one point I was, I was running a project and we were overloaded. And so we shipped out some of the CAD, CAD work to, uh, to another firm. Mm-hmm. And we got together a month later or a week later. I don't know. can't remember what the time frame was, but to sort of review the progress. And they said, hey, you know, we've spent, I don't know what it was, you know, 80 hours or 120 hours or, you know, some number of hours on, on what they've done. And they showed us what they've done. And it was like, uh, guys, for, you know, the number of hours you've billed us, this is not much. This is not good. <laughs> and they said, yes, but look, we've, we've, uh, We've updated all these templates so that we can do work for you faster in the future. <laughs> and I said, well, gentlemen, that's very nice. I appreciate that. But that's not what I was paying you for. If you look at the contract that we signed, I paid you to work on the design, you know, project A. I did not pay you to be doing templates so you could do it faster in the future. Um, did you get your money back? I can't remember exactly how we ironed the thing out. That but sounds like I, I know. My my recollection is that we did not use them in the future. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see now that they've been more efficient so that they can go to a different company and uh, make a lot more money. But that will require different templates. Oh, right. yes, yes. Right. But but again, it's it's not that what they did was inherently – there's nothing wrong in what they did. It's just that, that uh, – Perhaps they presented it in the wrong manner, but certainly I would not have expected to be billed for their desire to improve their efficiency. <laughs> we had agreed upon a, a, a contracted value for, for what they're going to do and, and how they went about doing it. I didn't care. I just needed the work done. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think engineers have a inherent desire to be more efficient. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's an easy trap to fall into sometimes. Oh, sure. And sometimes you have to put out the fire that's in front of you. Um, but that's not the fun problem. <laughs> yeah. And I know because I'm always fighting where I get in the middle of something that has to be done. And I think, oh, I can do this so much better. And if I just back up three steps, let me, you know, re-optimize, reorganize, and I could do this so much better. But sometimes you're just in the middle, as you say, you're in, you're in the middle of the swamp and <laughs> you've got to, uh, you know, drain the swamp to get to the alligators right away. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, putting out the fire, but you decided it's better to build a better fire extinguisher while the fire burns down the house. Yeah, yeah, it would it would be it would be it would you know it would be so much uh, smoother and and uh, easier, and I can see all the advantages. But the hard part is getting myself to let go of that, get, let go of those thoughts, and just get the job done. You know, grind away, get the job done, and then go back to it later. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a again. I have no idea if that's an engineering thing. Only engineers have this, or lawyers and accountants. You know, do the same thing. They're halfway through uh, 
working up a spreadsheet and go, ooh, I could have done this so much better, but I have to finish it up for, for tomorrow's uh, meeting. No, that sounds like a distinctly engineering behavior. <laughs> okay. Well, and because we don't have any lawyers that we know of who listen to this podcast, we're going to say it is. <laughs> How does that work? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. I guess I guess until we get a complaint from one of the lawyers, uh, we'll, we'll proceed with that. You never want a lawyer to complain. Yeah, good point. Uh, no, not really. You got a good point. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, so I, I I opened up by asking you, Adam, if you're a long range planner, because we are getting close to the 100th episode of this podcast, and uh, so this is episode 97, and we have several guests lined up. Uh, hopefully, everything will work out for, for episode uh, 90. We have a guest for 98. 99 will be our year in review of uh, 2015. And then we will have guests for uh, episodes. So I know for 100 and 101, and we think we've got guests for several uh, podcasts beyond that. But the thought was that maybe we should spend some time talking about what what this podcast should become, what it uh, might develop into wh- how we might change it, whether we want to keep it exactly the same as it is in the next 100 uh, podcasts or 100 episodes, since 100 is kind of a nice uh, round number. We've been at this nearly four years. And uh, so we thought it was worth spending a little time talking about it. Yeah. And uh, I'll just say, for those who do not know, there is a website, theengineeringcommons.com. And this po- podcast, this episode will be posted on there. Feel free to comment to tell us what you, all your disagreements with what we have to say or not, but um, it is there. Absolutely. And there's a contact page. And if you go to that page, there's a form that you can fill out and it will send us email. You can either send it to us individually, one of the four of us or all four of us at the same time. And uh, so we do get those from time to time. I will admit that I am not the best at responding promptly. I tried to get back to everybody, but I will admit it sometimes takes a few days or sometimes even more than a week for me to get back to people. I apologize for that, but uh, uh, we do try to we do try to get back. And a little bit of a look under the hood. Sometimes we want to discuss them as a group and we just don't have time to to talk for a week or so. And uh, so it doesn't mean we're ignoring you. Sometimes we just, we want to have a good response. Right. Right. So we are, we are interested in your thoughts and, and uh, certainly as we go through uh, today's discussion, if you hear something that strikes you as something that uh, you want to hear more of or less of, or you agree with us or disagree with us, uh, feel free to uh, uh, to let us know. We we are interested in the input. We have the, uh, you know, we we try to project the the viewpoints and the and the thoughts and the interest. That when we're picking out topics, it's what the four of us think might be interesting. But there's many many more of you listeners than there are the of the four of us. So please let us know. Give us some ideas, and uh, especially if you have contact something somebody that you think would be an interesting guest. Uh, we'd be delighted to uh, have some contact information so we get a hold of them and, and invite them to be on the show. So let let me uh, start the discussion by just uh, giving sort of a, an overview of what I think the the podcast has been, and we can talk then about where it might go. So, you know, to to when when Chris and I started the podcast. You know, uh, four year, nearly four years ago, we were talking about wanting to talk about the more philosophical issues in engineering, and I think we've done that. I mean, we've covered things like you know empathy and uh, uh, taking risks and failure, 
and a lot of the things that don't get talked about in your typical, you know, tech type talk podcast. And so I think I think that's been good. And in general, I've I've told people that I I feel like I'm sort of talking to my goal is talking to engineers that have been out of school for a few years and that are, you know, have sort of gotten their feet on the ground as engineers, but are trying to figure out, okay, now that I know that I'm an engineer and I have an engineering job, now what do I do? Now what does it mean? What's my role in society? Uh, what's my role in the organization? Uh, that being said, we have a lot of listeners that are younger, that are either in, uh, uh, some in high school, but a lot in college, uh, pursuing an engineering degree or thinking about pursuing an engineering degree. Uh, and we have some older listeners who have been in in their engineering uh, careers for a number of years and enjoy just hearing the the discussion and the banter about engineering in general. So yeah, I think we've done a nice job in the first hundred episodes of uh, trying to hit some general topics. Uh, we've hit engineering education. We've hit uh, you know engineering as a profession. We've hit some of you know these empathy and uh, failure and you know the sort of the struggles of engineering. We've tried to hit some of those topics. And so my feeling is over, uh, you know, over this breadth of three plus years, nearly four years, we've, we've done a nice job of sort of uh, hitting the high points of those topics. And so the question is, as we go forward for the next hundred episodes, as we do the next, hopefully the podcast will last that long, you know, another three and a half, four years, are, do we do we go back and hit the same topics in in greater detail? Are we more selective in trying to dig down and a little you know deeper into those topics, or do we go for new ground? Do we find new things, new topics uh, to talk about? Uh, what do you guys think? Well, I think uh, we may. I wonder how deep we can go if we do single topic type things. I was actually just thinking with we had some. I was imagining a podcast where we basically explained how lasers work i was thinking mm -hmm. about the most ridiculous thing i could think of sure and how interesting could it be and also how accurate could we be right um i was just listening to one of my other podcasts where i wanted to scream through the podcast about all the inaccuracies but at the same time <laughs> it's it's free content and they're you know they don't claim to be experts on the subject and they're doing the best they can and mm -hmm. I know I screw up quite a bit. So you, I honestly wonder, given the limitations in terms of uh, uh, production time, I guess, or research time, could we really do a in-depth nuts and bolts type episode a dozen more times? We probably could not do it on a, you know, a, a regular basis. That is, we publish on a biweekly that is every other week schedule right now. And that's about as, that's about as fast as, at least as fast as I can pedal in, in putting together the, uh, the guests when we have the guests, putting together the show, putting together the show notes, that type of thing. That's about as fast as I can pedal. And certainly when we do a tutorial type uh, episode, nuts and bolts, accounting for engineers, something like that, where I'm having to spend some real time, you know, making sure that I I have these not only the material but the sequence of the material lined up. That that takes a bit more. So I, it, without additional help or additional input or or something, I don't I don't think we could do it on a regular basis. But I think I'm not at all opposed to doing it on on a you know an occasional basis. Well, and they're valuable episodes. It's just you know there are limits, and I think those are our most popular episodes, right, Jeff? Um. 
I don't know is their most popular, but we we do get uh, you know amazingly the nuts and bolts uh, episode got quite a few listens. I I can't remember what accounting for engineers did. I, that that may have been shunned. <laughs> <laughs> uh, capacitors has done good. The capa- well. recent capacitor episode uh, did very well, and and I think that. I mean, there are other uh, podcasts, uh, Pragmatic, that talks about you know technical issues. Uh, I'm trying to think. The uh, Security Now, which is one that I listen to a lot, talks about you know hashing algorithms and and uh, encryption and you know these sort of mathematical uh, concepts that they're describing in a podcast. And uh, sometimes you get, you have to concentrate a little bit to follow what's going on. But but I enjoy this. I enjoy those types of podcasts. Uh, and so I think there's. Uh, I think we should not underestimate how much information we can convey in a audio uh, podcast, although it is certainly limiting not to have a blackboard or a, a whiteboard to draw on. And we're missing Dan Carlin's voice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, and the other the other part of it is, so far, all of the, uh, the nuts and bolts episodes, or at least most of them, have been within at least one of our areas of at least proficiency. Yeah. Um, it's not like we're going out and researching everything about nuts and bolts. You had a background there, um, or we did one on project management uh, quite some time ago, and and I had a fair bit of background there. Sure, um, you know, and to be quite honest, I think we would have a little harder time, and it would probably not as be as good of an episode if we decided um, quantum computing was our next episode, and we're going to go into the nuts and bolts of quantum quantum computing right. when none of us really works in that field. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the so the that's the other part that's always interesting to me is is knowing exactly how much depth to go into, and so you don't want to go into too huge a depth. You don't want to dive too deep because you lose everybody that's new to the uh, this you know new to the topic. Uh, you so there's some there's some balancing act to be had there where you want to go deep enough that you maintain interest with your audience, but not so deep uh, that you lose everybody. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's uh, that's tough. To, that's a you know, it's a tough balance to find, especially when when all of our listeners have different backgrounds. You know, we're we're talking to to engineers of of all subdisciplines, so it's hard to know exactly you know how. Uh, for instance, to dive into capacitors, uh, there's a lot of terminology that went on there that that uh, electrical engineers would have been familiar with, but uh, most say civil or chemical or mechanical engineers might not have. Uh, uh, been completely familiar with a term like puff cap. Mm-hmm. So I think that tutorials uh, are good. I think we, we sh- will continue to do them in some depth, but I don't think that's something that we can do on a, you know, uh, every episode basis. It, I just, I don't think we can continue that. Uh, but that being said, uh, if our listeners have ideas of, of topics they'd like us to cover in, in this type of tutorial episodes, uh, again, let us know. There's that contact page. We'd, we'd be glad to hear from you. Oh. And uh, if there's more guests who have some degree of technical proficiency in something that you really want us to talk about, let us know and uh, we can look into it. Right. So I guess that gets back to one of the places that I would like to see us go in the next hundred episodes is I think that we don't, we don't get a ton of listener feedback. Then again, we don't, you know, we're not going out asking for a lot of, of feedback, but it looks like the the guest episodes are are well received, and so I would like to continue having guests on uh, because I think that one of the things is 
I can't give general advice to every engineer. I mean, every engineer's situation is different. And so advice will like, you should go get your PE. Well, that makes sense for some engineers, but not others. Uh, you should go, you should dive more deeply into embedded programming. Well, that makes sense for some engineers and not others. Uh, you should go get uh, certified in SolidWorks or Pro-E or something. You know, I, each engineer's situation is going to be different. And so there's no way that I can or we can as a group uh, give good advice to every engineer in every situation. But I really would like to continue to talk to working engineers, that is engineers that are in industry, uh, have been in industry for a few years and can share their stories of what it's like to be a, a working engineer in the hopes that their insights, their stories will provide guidance to a certain uh, part of our listening audience. You know, it, it won't, not everything will resonate with everybody, but hopefully over as, as the episodes progress, you will from time to time be listening to a working engineer who says, yes, I tried this and it, it benefited my career, or I tried that uh, and I found it, it made my job go easier. And, and hopefully those are the types of insights we can, we can share with our listening audience just by virtue of sharing the insights of working engineers. That and I've always thought the war stories have been very useful for my career. I, I, they occur to me all the time when I run into problems that I don't know if I can tackle them on my own. All mm-hmm. I have to do is remember the story that somebody dropped on me one time. So when the situation happens, you find yourself kind of in a, in a, between a, uh, was it a rock and hard place? Do you immediately think, oh, somebody's words of advice come to me? Or do you think of it as, as you're pondering the problem and all of a sudden you remember, ah, I, I've heard something like that in the past? I think both. Um, okay. You know, often, often when I'm noodling on a problem, I'll, I'll kind of go through, oh, I remember so, you know, so-and-so said something at one point. Now, the gray beard mentioned that you might see something like this or run this test and, you know, here's how you test if it's differential noise versus common mode noise, you know. Mm-hmm. Always look for the current loop. Right. Purely electrical case. And, yeah. <laughs> And, and people just like stories and war stories are some of the best usually. Right. And so any, any ideas on how we get some, uh, a greater diversity of guests in, you know, just background and the, the disciplines, the different fields. We've had some suggestions from our listening audience. And a lot of the guests we've had are people that I've met in my engineering career. So you're kind of limited to the people I've found. We've, we've talked to uh, a couple of people that uh, Adam and Carmen have known as well. Any any good ideas on how we expand our our reach to potential guests? We should try LinkedIn, I guess. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so so honestly, I'm not much of a LinkedIn person. Are, are you serious? And uh, that would be a good approach. Sadly, yes. But <laughs> <laughs> okay. Are are you much of a LinkedIn person? Uh I don't know. I feel like it's kind of a necessity. It's kind of like uh, Facebook. I kind of have a vague profile that I occasionally log into. Right. <laughs> you too. Yeah. So, I mean, I have a LinkedIn profile, but it, you know, I rarely check it. And usually I, I, I check it once or twice a year and see a dozen headhunter messages going back several months and <laughs> try to send some apologies out and... <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I don't very often go to LinkedIn except when somebody sends me an invite and I go to accept their invite, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, so so we, we may want to do, we'll continue to do the uh, tutorials. We want to, I think, continue to encourage guests to come on to talk about their experiences as, as working engineers. Especially chemical engineers and other magicians. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We would like to would like to know more about the incantations that that do that work of chemical engineering. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even if you don't call yourself a chemical engineer, but a metallurgical or materials or whatever else, but you're actually a chemical engineer, you too. Actually, I'm I'm kind of open to somebody if they're willing to pretend to be a chemical engineer at this point. <laughs> <laughs> We're setting the bar pretty low on our qualifications for guests here now, but uh, that works. Right. So we have for the for the most part during the first hundred episodes, or well, we're not quite there yet, but getting there, uh, try to stick to engineering topics. You know, we we have discussed, you know, we discussed home automation, which was starting to get a little off topic, but but was somehow related to technology. We've talked about beer from time to time, which is not really engineering related, but it's related to engineers, so maybe that that counts as engineering related. Should we should we be wandering into more in off topic discussions? I think there could be room for, I guess, engineering current events. Okay, um, I think you could have an interesting discussion about. Uh, uh, I would say a multidisciplinary discussion of various things going on. You know the the uh, uh, Jeff Bezos's rocket. Mm-hmm. That just launched, and kind of what the implications are of that. I'd be interested to hear what you guys think. You know, or you know, all the other crap I see and read about on a weekly basis that is engineering related. And so, what is the is, is so is that an underserved market? Like I, I almost guarantee this whole bit about you know the philosophy of engineering is an underserved market because I don't see anybody else doing this. Definitely is. And I don't listen to enough podcasts. I listen to a few, but I don't listen to a whole lot that are talking about tech news. Are, are other people covering this already? Well, that's a good point. Okay, so very good point. And I think you could also you could also look in people's responses to uh, like the Amp Hours surveys. You know, some people mm-hmm. hate the current events type shows and some people, you know, that's their favorite thing and they hate the guests. <laughs> right. You know, let's just claim it's 50-50, you know. I personally, I really like the current event shows and I like the guests, but the current event shows are like, you know, I've had vendors that were practically disappearing or parts that were being obsoleted that I found out because of that show. Um, mm. You know, also, you know, it's it's often good to hear somebody – Maybe who's read up on something that you vaguely saw run through your RSS feed, discuss it. Um, right. But but I guess so. My concern is that if let's say we were discussing the uh, uh, the Bezos vehicle launch vehicle, what was the name of that? That was Blue Origin. Blue Origin, yeah. But but what you know, I have some I have some interest and I have something to say about some of these engineering, you know, topics, uh, philosophical, more philosophical issues. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I have much, 
I'm not sure I personally have much to contribute to the discussion of a space vehicle. I, it's very interesting, but I'm certainly no expert. It, does it require that we either spend more time becoming experts on the news or, or do we have to invite somebody in who, you know, for each week that, that is up to, up to date on that topic? Or do we just talk like idiots? <laughs> well, we can do that. <laughs> well, this is the media. We can completely make up what we're talking about. And, well, you know, beg for forgiveness right. from those who understand and claim brilliance to those who don't. Uh, oh, yes, but I really don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I admit that we, you know, we cover some areas where we're not absolute experts and we, you know, you know, we try not to make stuff up. And I try real hard to make sure that if we have gotten something wrong, I get it right in the show notes or, or make some mention of it. But, uh, but on the other hand... It, I guess it depends on, you know, we, we are not the gold standard of knowledge. We don't claim to be, you know, experts about everything that we discuss on the show. Yeah. Or maybe we can even chalk it up to, or we could even pivot towards topics where we might even disagree. Um, you know, if, I don't know what your opinions or Carmen's opinions are on uh, uh, climate change or nuclear power or, you know, electric vehicles or fracking, you know, there's, those are all very engineering centric topics, you know? Well, and a lot of those topics are, yeah, there's some technical details, but the technical details quickly get, okay, here's the technical facts. And then it's opinion. Is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? And nobody really, there is no right answer except your own, except mine. Um, but well, if you come at it from an engineering point of view, you know it can be an it can be an, an acknowledgement and an analysis of the trade offs. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Where you know, I'll just say fracking. You know, you can you. I think if you're well versed on the topic, even vaguely, you can point out you know conflicting. And advantageous positions on both sides where it's like, yeah, you know, you'll, you could definitely screw up groundwater and, you know, you're still pushing a reliance on fossil fuels, but you could also point out it's a heck of a lot better than coal, you know, from a, from certain points of view. So I don't know whether that accomplishes uh, bringing more listeners in, in that people are more interested in hearing that they want to hear a balanced view from both sides. Or whether it just upsets people from from both sides of whatever topic is being discussed. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Well, and I, I think if I like to believe though that, and maybe this is my own utopian view, that engineers couldn't, that we shouldn't, and I guess engineers who are listening shouldn't be offended by frank discussions of those topics, where it's. You know, if I think if you hang your hat on the humility that, hey, you're willing to be proven wrong and you're willing to be wrong and the only thing you're interested in is the, you know, is the best possible outcome, you can discuss it. And even if it's polarizing, I don't think, I don't think engineers would come at it from a political point of view. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm very naive. And then, um, I think there is, I think one of the big things in the podcasting market is people just wanting to hear somebody's opinion. Um, 
you know, on, yeah. on the amp hour. Uh, there are shows where they get into very, very opinionated discussions and, and it's just kind of interesting to hear what, um, Dave and Chris have to say that, I mean, really it's not about who's right, who's wrong. It's they, they disagree mm-hmm. and they have a thought and this is why they have a thought. Um, yeah. So when you listen to it, are you enjoying the, there's the, uh, the difference of opinion and you can weigh, well, this makes sense or that doesn't make sense. Or, or in my, you know, from my viewpoint, my standpoint, I, I appreciate that they've made this consideration or there's also sort of the entertainment of listening to them bicker and one another <laughs> say, no, you're wrong. <laughs> to me, it's both. Okay. Yeah, engineering crossfire. <laughs> For those young or old enough to remember that show. Yeah. Well, but but I mean that's the that's the heart of uh the most broadcasting, right? That, that especially that's yeah. become political is the point is not to deliver a uh informative uh you know, bit of information. It is to create conflict so that people are people will tune in to watch two people arguing at one another and the the matter and more angry they get at one another the better it is for ratings yeah i think the one thing that an engineering centric uh media product can avoid is the false dichotomies that are created you know we need to have one person on one side of an issue and another person on another side of an issue and oh it happens to be a scientific issue and there really is not two sides you know <laughs> So my sense is the problem is that if you have two people that come from opposite sides that are willing to be open in discussing the, you know, honestly discuss the pros and cons of the other side, you can have a very interesting discussion. But as soon as either one of them becomes aggressive in saying, no, you're all wrong, I'm all right, there is no compromise, there is no middle ground, then you end up with sort of a, you know, where do you go from there? Then then it's ceased, it ceased to become a... Uh, informed informed discussion and it starts to become an argument. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I, I don't know, maybe this is just me, but, uh, and I guess I know a few other people like this, that having that, you know, argument, not where it's, well, this is right. No, this is right. No, this is right. No, this is right. But where there's a, a legitimate devil's advocate and somebody f- advocating for the side you disagree with, at least it helps me think it through. Mm-hmm. To the point that I frequently, well, not frequently, but I will take the side I disagree with to flesh out that argument in a discussion to to make sure that I have completely understood the problem. Mm-hmm. So is that just me? No, I often I often find myself, and I like to use opposition subreddits where you know I take something that I. I'm very curious about, and I will go and find, you know, it could be politics or it could be, you know, I'll, I'll leave it at politics, <laughs> where I'll go find subreddits where people clearly disagree with the mainstream opinion or my opinion or have the mainstream opinion just so that I can see how people argue on a certain topic, you know. When when people are talking amongst people who are, agree with each other, I find that fascinating. Um, mm-hmm. As opposed to people who are arguing in front of like what's what's word about uh, 
there was just a CPG gray on this, but it's you behave differently when you are when you believe you have the majority opinion and are arguing with somebody who has a different opinion as opposed to when you are a minority opinion confronting a majority opinion. Mm-hmm. And I find the way the exact same argument can happen from, you know, the flip in the population to be fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I would even say that even just preparing for a meeting to discuss a topic and I, I feel I have the the major the minority opinion, I prepare for that differently. Yeah. I mean a good example. I mean, just so I don't talk totally vague. I'm just trying to avoid <laughs> outing all of the crazy things that I go and look at on Reddit. But like when this uh-huh. you know, and this will date this podcast, um when that uh Russian fighter jet was shot down over presumably over Turkey. Make I'm making no editorializing i'm not editorializing on the specifics of the situation but it was interesting to go to uh the russian subreddit and see russians talking amongst themselves about the situation and it it didn't seem all that different to how americans would behave with respect to that situation you know both the rational and the irrational Mm -hmm. Whereas if it was in the world news discussion and it was primarily Americans and Western Europeans talking to, you know, the lone Russian who commented, it's a very different discussion. Mm -hmm. Well, but then you're pulling in, you start talking about the, the news media and that's a different story. Yeah, absolutely. I was using it. I mean, but there's, there's engineering centric topics with respect to that. But this, but this does raise the the issue that we live. Although we we like as engineers to deal in an engineering world where everything can be boiled down to a technical topic, we exist in a world where politics dominates a lot of a lot of the world. You know the social dynamics. That's true. But and and so we sadly. we can't we can't sadly, but we can't come. Mm-hmm. But we can't completely ignore it. We have to be realistic about the fact that politics does influence a lot of what we either we do as engineers or what we want to do as engineers. Hmm. Which is why I think there's so few engineers in Congress. And I'm looking at you engineers who refuse to run. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so we we said in the last episode, we said there was only one engineer in Congress. Did we fact check that? I did. In the show notes, there are eight so as recently as 2011, I feel like there should be an asterisk with that, though. So like, somebody's not a real engineer. Well, I yeah, I can't check that. I so in 2011 there was just one engineer in Congress, and uh, but the Congressional Research Office, I think I've got that right. Uh, the most recent uh, for the most recent Congress, what is it, the 114th, said that there were eight, there were seven. There were seven engineers in the U.S. House of Representatives and one in the Senate. You are right. Oh, wow. Hey, I don't know if anybody ever reads the show notes, but I do try to <laughs> I do try to keep them accurate. A lot of lawyers, though. A lot of lawyers, yes. 225 out of the how many members of Congress are in law? 435 total. So almost half. Jeez. Still not enough engineers. But anyways, the I mean, 
I think there is some truth, though, though, to the fact that engineers can reduce things to a discussion of trade-offs. Or at least that's my ideal, is that you may not, like, you may disagree on what the best course of action is, but you're not arguing about the data. Yes, but the other issue then becomes, does anybody want to vote for that person? No, certainly not. So, so if I stand, if I stand <laughs> up there and say, well, uh, my platform is, I understand the, the, what's going on with the other side. And, you know, in these areas, I really agree with them. Then it's, it's going to be hard to develop a political base when you're saying, I see all the gray areas. Yeah. We, we, we're, we're, we as humans, for better or worse, we're inspired by those, by those who show absolute confidence and say, by God, this is the direction we should be going and let's go there now. And my opponent, Hitler McGee, wants to go in the exact opposite direction. Uh, perhaps, yes. <laughs> uh. All right. So so maybe on our off-topic discussions, we can go a little further off-topic than we have so far. But we'll have to give some thought to uh, – uh, before getting into you know too far off-topic or doing anything that's, that's too, po- too politically charged, let's say. Yeah. I, the goal is not to convert political ideologies or to engage in a political discussion. But man, there are some interesting topics. <laughs> I don't, well, maybe that. I mean, maybe that's a different podcast. I mean, maybe that's a spinoff podcast. If somebody else wants to uh, to do that, I don't think I have the time or the energy to uh, to engage in yet another podcast. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll record a second one tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, well. So now, Brian, you you mentioned going to Reddit, and from time to time. I guess we've done two episodes where we've gone and we've answered questions we found in Reddit. And judging by the listener numbers, that seemed to be – the first one seemed to be a little more popular than the second one. I don't know whether that was just the, the timing of the of the episodes or or people didn't really didn't want to hear the Reddit questions the second time. I mean it, was, it wasn't a huge drop-off. It's a slight drop-off in, in the listening numbers. You know, I'd also say that the questions the first there was a lot better pool of questions the first time we did it. Mm-hmm. I think and, I think you're right. It was a little quieter the second time around. Okay, but surely in the in the vast and maybe it's not Reddit. I mean, maybe that's not the right place to go for more engineering questions. But certainly there are a huge pool of of questions being asked by engineers and those interested in engineering out there in the world. Is that good source of topic, or or is that a or the, does that make for good episodes for? Uh, does that make for a good episode of the Engineering Commons? Well, I don't know because of, because it's Reddit. It's basically as good as I mean, we can let it be as inflammatory as we want, <laughs> right? Yeah, Reddit will supply the content. Um, yeah, but uh, I think it also will. I want to go back and look at the questions we um, we looked at. I wonder how. I, I wonder if we picked all of the really compelling questions that we had the first time. Because were we working from the same list? No. Well, we actually went back and, and we had so many from our first time through that we used a few of those in the second time around. But then we did try to go out and find new questions. And I agree with Adam. The second time that we went back, the the questions that we found, you know, on the, on the currently on the top of the, of the, uh, the, I guess it was the engineering and ask engineers reddits that we went to. Mm-hmm weren't quite so compelling. Oh, we didn't go into the crappy engineering <laughs> subreddit. There's some great ones in there. Yeah. You know, but to a certain extent, the, the, 
you have to be a little selective in that you you just don't want to question the word where the answer is, well, that was stupid, you know, or that didn't make any sense. You know, we, we can, we can spend 10 minutes piling up on something and saying, well, that was a silly way to do it, but that's really not very informative to our listening audience. I don't know. I think a lot of people would be very interested to uh, hear us explain why all of the perpetual motion machines don't work. It's one of those laws of thermodynamics. We should go to those um, lawyers in Congress and have them change the law of ther- laws of thermodynamics. Uh, don't don't tempt them. <laughs> uh, yes. Wasn't there a state that made pi 3.14? Uh, that would be Indiana. Yes. <laughs> Fortunately, they repealed that after not too long a time. But uh, yes, I live in that state. And there, there are, correct me if I'm wrong, and I think it's more civil engineering, there are functional issues with doing that, right? You know, um, you could have radii specified for things over distances where 3.14 would yield the wrong answer in trig functions, right? Well, I'm going to make my, uh, my argument where why the uh, English system of measurement is better in civil engineering. And it's like the one place, at least in highway engineering, you don't need to worry about radiuses. So you don't, Pi goes away. Um, you use something called the degree of curvature to define the um, the size of a curve, which is a degree of curvature is the number of degrees spun by an arc of a hundred feet. How many radians is that? There's a little, uh, what is I'm it? Kidding. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's a little more complicated than that. It there's a um, it's almost the inverse. So how how long was uh, Indiana three point one four? I I would have to refer to the Great Wikipedia in order to find that out. <laughs> uh. Okay, here we go. The Indiana Pie Bill is a popular name for Bill two forty six of the eighteen ninety seven sitting of the Indiana General Assembly, one of the most notorious attempts to establish mathematical truth by legislative fiat. Despite the name, the main result claimed by the bill is a method to square the circle rather than establish a certain value for the mathematical constant pi, the ratio of circumference of a circle to its diameter. However, the bill does imply various incorrect values of pi, such as 3.2. The bill never became law due to the intervention of Professor C.A. Waldo of Purdue University, who happened to be present in the legislature on the day it went up for a vote. So I guess I'm incorrect. It did not become law, but it was a bill that was presented to the Indiana General Assembly. So I, I of course, I would be against this because then my my uh, rule of pi would no longer provide infinite resolution as to the amount of time a project would take. Mm-hmm. Which is, by the way, one of the most awesome rules I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I've told a couple of people about that, and they all, it's like, it's genius. <laughs> I'm going to do that from here on out. If you have a project you've done before, then it doesn't apply. But if you've run into a project you've never done before, multiply by pi and time and budget, you'll be about right. And if not, management makes you, it, or management thinks that you did a good job trying to figure it out. Right. <laughs> right. Don't worry, Indiana's not alone. Several states have tried to do stuff like this. Oh, okay. 
Well, it's like how um, a lot of the speed limits of 25 to 30 were set because a legislator decided that was the the speed that they felt a car could go through a town without spooking all the horses. (laughs) Well, a a very logical approach, given a certain time. Or just a little outdated now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. So another... Uh, area that we could go with future episodes is there seems to be no shortage of people writing books. And I think that we could do, we have not specifically gone after people that uh, write engineering related books. Uh, we've had a few authors on, but, but we could certainly do more authors. The, the downside of that though, is that I feel like those episodes are difficult for people that either haven't read the book at the time we do the discussion or, are unlikely to read the book. So when we we uh, we talk with uh, Dave Goldberg about uh, about as a whole new engineer, well, then we were talking about engineering education in sort of broad terms, and whether you had read the book or hadn't read the book, it didn't so much matter. But some of the other uh, authors we've had on, it would have been nice if people had been able to read the book. We could have gone more in depth in the topic, but a reality is that. You know, for many of the listeners of this podcast, they don't they don't have free time to begin with, uh, and so it'd be unrealistic to expect them to read these uh, titles. I think we keep going with what we have. If there's yeah, if there's something really compelling, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. or a book on a topic that we want to talk about anyway, right? Or a uh, author who happened, somebody who has something interesting to say, who happened to write a book. Well, you know, they, they say that uh, if you want to become an expert in a field, the way to do it is write a book, whether you, whether you know anything or not. <laughs> the fact you have, <laughs> you have your book, uh, that makes you the expert, right? Um, although the, the, uh, the, the obstacle to writing a book is a little less than it used to be. You, you used to have to write the book and then get it published. And getting through the publisher was yep. difficult. These days, you can self-publish, and uh, it's so that obstacle, that, that, bars a l- that hurdle is a little lower uh, for getting yourself. Can you write a check? <laughs> that's the obstacle. Well, there, yeah. So there was always self-published books. I mean, there were always uh, uh, companies that would would allow you to self-publish, but uh, but yeah, that that became expensive, especially in the days when when it, everything wasn't so electronic. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we'll uh, we'll continue to invite authors on when it makes sense to do so. Uh, what about educators? We've had several educators, and for a while we were kind of on an education role you know we we had lots of engineering educators on and we we tried to back off of that for a little bit uh, uh what do you think the how's how are we doing with the balance these days you know i think we could bring back a couple of educators again it's been a while okay yeah i would agree not that we want to go back to the educator every other episode but <laughs> sure actually i think it was a little more than that even but for a while for a while yeah. there but, you know, to me, at least, it feels like we've kind of had a cooling off period for a while. And, well, that's been intentional. And now, yeah, it's it's been a while since we've had uh, somebody on to talk about a very, very purely educational persp- uh, topic. Right. I mean, I'm thinking, not remembering exactly, uh, grad school, I think, is the last really heavily educational one we did. And that wasn't even bringing an educator in. That was 78. So, actually, we're coming up on a year. Yeah, well, so we've, uh, you know, a- again, we've gone in the last uh, last part of 2015. We've we've had fewer guests. I mean, for a while we were we had a guest every episode, and we've gone through a period where we've had fewer guests. In fact, it's been 
I'm trying to think from 84, we went one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, basically 11 out of the last 13 episodes have been uh, without a guest. So that, that's something we do hope to do in 2016 is, is, is bring, bring on guests on a more f- frequent schedule or more frequent basis. Uh, recently, the Amp Hour did a semi-live broadcast in which they took calls and answered questions. Would it make any sense for us to do something like that? We could give it a shot. How did they do that? Uh, I have I'm well behind in my Amp Hour listening. I just think it was Skype or or they were feeding a Skype feed into mobile. I have no idea, but it was just pretty good. Technically, I, I you know. It doesn't seem like it would be that difficult, but maybe I'm just crazy. So was it, um, they were calling in during the show, like yeah. when they were recording? Yeah. Okay. Not like a, you can call into a voicemail box sort of thing and we'll, we'll answer them. No, there were some pretty interesting questions. And we could do that too. I mean, we could have a mailbox where people basically phone in their questions as, as opposed to, you know, writing them in via email. Mm-hmm. I do, what I don't know is whether – so in the, the AMP Hours, uh, the case of the AMP Hour, they could provide technical advice on very technical issues. Mm-hmm. We, are, we would now be trying to avi- provide you know, more general advice across a broad spectrum of engineering topics, subdisciplines. Eh, I don't know if that would be as interesting. I, so I, get, I guess to the point where – I. W- where I would find it interesting is people coming in and discussing if they're not willing to come on and discuss their career, their insights, their questions, their concerns for an hour, you know, we normally go 50 minutes at the very least to, you know, 80 minutes on this podcast. Uh, would they be willing to come on and have a conversation with us for eight minutes? I think that would be interesting. Like five or six mini episodes in one episode. Yeah. It'd be interesting to try. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll look into it. We'll see. We'll see if we can do something uh, in 2016. And turning towards that, the fourth wall again. Uh, if uh, you, the listeners, want us to to try something like that, uh, that's something we can't do without audience feedback and participation. If you want us to do it, let us know. Absolutely. Along those lines of thought, one of the things that we have really not done with this podcast is really participate very heavily in social media. You know, basically, you know, I control the Twitter feed. I, Jeff control the Twitter feed for the, uh, the podcast as a whole, as well as I have my own Twitter feed. And I can tell you that pretty much other than if I have a spare minute and, and am just looking to, to absorb a little information, I will go look at Twitter. But other than that, quite often I don't see the Twitter except for, the five minutes before I release the new episode, I go on, log into Twitter, say, here's the new episode of Twitter or new episode of the engineering commons. And I post it to my uh, Twitter feed and I post it to the, the engineering commons Twitter feed. And I look at the comments or whatever, you know, uh, interactions have happened in the past two weeks. And if there's something really uh, that grabs my attention, I'll respond to it. But a lot of times the comments are at that point, a week and a half old. And I go, eh, I don't do anything about it. So if if you felt uh, snubbed because no one responded to your comment, your Twitter or your tweet to the, uh, to either my uh, feed or the engineering commons feed, I apologize. Uh, 
but I'm, I'm just not very involved in social media and have not at least a, to this point felt like it was a good use of my time to, to worry about uh, being more involved. But if that's important, uh, if we can make the podcast better through, through greater social interaction, through so better use of social media, then I'm open to that possibility. No, hang out a thons. Hang out a thons. Oh, uh, you, you aren't aware of those? No. What is right. that? A couple of podcasts do, uh, Either streamed or recorded like twenty four hour podcasts. Oh, twenty four hours. Yeah. Oh yeah. That sounds awful. I think Astronomy Cast does it. Tested did it. Tested would do like stuff. I think when Oculus was new, like DK One was out, they'd see who could keep the Oculus on long enough, or the longest, before they'd want to vomit. <laughs> well, at least uh, like tested. That's. Uh closer to a full-time gig for them though isn't it yeah i think so and i'm uh, i don't know about the astronomy podcast you're referring to um but there is also a difference between people who are podcasting as professionals and us where this is i agree that's why i was saying no hang out with them yeah even if it was full-time i don't know that i could justify that yeah Mm -hmm. okay so i think we're probably about ready to start wrapping this up but I suppose in the, you know, the blue sky part of the podcast, if, you know, when I'm, I'm thinking, well, what could this podcast become? Uh, I start looking at sort of the, the bigger issues that engineers have, you know, what, it, how do you, uh, both the, the cost of becoming an engineer, how you get accredited as an engineer, uh, what, how you acquire the skills you need as an engineer. And I, I do think that we are, uh, Chris and I talked about this during some early uh, podcasts. We really haven't revisited it much recently is that, you know, is engineering becoming more of a, uh, a gig economy? You know, it's something, you know, instead of hiring on as a, an engineer, where you are going to work someplace for five or six or 10 years. You're basically hiring on someplace where you're going to work five or six months or five or six weeks, or sometimes even five or six days. And if that's the case, does the podcast to do a favor to our, our engineering listeners need to start uh, talking more about you know, these, these issues that would be relevant to independent engineers, you know, how do you, where do you go to get health insurance? How do you get accreditation? How do you build a customer base? And I certainly think there's a portion of our listening audience that is interested in those topics, but I don't know. Most engineers, I think still work for big companies. And I don't, I don't know exactly where that ratio is, but I do think that I'm willing to, I'm open to the idea that we might want to change the focus of the podcast over time to address whatever the interest of our listening audience might be. I agree. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, hopefully with episode 100 to 101 there, we will have new introductory theme music. We've had some uh, people that have mentioned our, our theme music is a little sleepy, a little slow. We've enjoyed the theme that we've we've had so people don't like the 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 lull you in so we so that uh it makes our our content all the more impactful and awakening and jarring and exciting well i think people have gotten used to it but i don't know uh, everybody's you know so it was uh, our podcast theme music was provided by paul stevenson who was kind enough to do that fairly early in the history of our podcast and we're very grateful for that and we've used it since but I have some new music that I think with episode 100 or 101, we'll start using at the beginning of the episode. I still, I'm so fond of, of what Paul wrote that we're going to use it as the outro music 
Uh, we'll continue using that at the uh, the end of the show. So we'll see. Maybe people like it. Maybe people won't write in, complain, and uh, or tell us it's great. Whatever, however you feel. But uh, we'll we'll try that in the uh, in the new year when we hit episode. Like I said, I it depends on how soon I can get it ready. But I'm I'm aiming for I'm hoping for episode 100. But if not, I'll certainly have it by episode 101. Our new death metal intro. I <laughs> just that's right. That's right. Although you mentioned the last episode, I didn't know this was an issue that that you mentioned something about when the football player started listening to Metallica, and I didn't know that Metallica yes. was a a nerd only band for a while. Well, metal wasn't nerd only music music genre. Okay. Uh, until oh, um, people might disagree, but I would consider Metallica's Black Album to be the one that took it mainstream. You know, where it went from a really awesome selling metal album would be like, you know, 200,000 or 500,000 CDs. And geez, what, what did the black album sell? Like 15 or 20 million. Okay. Hmm. I'll take your word for it. They, uh... And so it was, it's long been the time when the jocks started listening to Metallica and were like, this stuff's cool. Yeah. Well, I think nerd culture just generally uh, leads mainstream culture by a while anyway. That's true. You know, nerds are cool before it's cool. Who all, who all had PDAs before smartphones? It was the nerds. <laughs> right. 16 times platinum in the U.S. 30 million copies worldwide. Important statistic for our engineers. Right. So you're saying it was at that point that the football players started listening to Metallica. Yes. Cool. Well, I, as a, you know, as an old guy, I just didn't quite get the reference. They, you know, I've heard it said that you quit listening to uh, new music about when you hit the age 35, that, uh, of course, when you're in, you know, your high school years and your college years, that that's the kind of music that, that sort of sinks in and you, and you keep with you for the rest of your life and you start you know, listening less and less to new music, and then you hit about age 35, and then it just completely goes away. You're completely uh, oblivious to whatever's going on. And that certainly, in my case, is <laughs> that's, cl- that's close to the truth. I mean, I'm aware of some songs that are popular that have, have come out since then, since I'm now in my 50s. But uh, yeah, pop music for the last 20 years, I'm pretty much a black hole. I have no, I have, I have no idea what's going on. But, but if you ask me about music from, uh, from the seventies, the uh, I can tell you it, it was just my bad fortune to be going to uh, college, uh, during the disco era. So <laughs> you, you must make do with what you have. <laughs> Although, you know, I, I, I'm not sure that holds true anymore because a lot of the, the classic rock bands of the, um, late seventies, early eighties have made, uh, big comebacks uh, in popularity with uh, that 20 to 35 range age group. Okay. So if you want to go back and, and quickly tell whether you, you know, would really like the disco era, I would say go back and listen to the 1979 disco song by Anita Ward titled ring my bell. It's available. You can find it on YouTube and, I just about go through the roof every time that comes on something, you know, the radio, I don't listen to the radio that much anymore, but, but if I'm listening to it, to me, 
it was like one of my least favorite disco songs. It was very popular, but I really disliked it. So <laughs> go listen to that. If you can make it through that song without one to puncture your eardrums, then maybe you have a greater love for disco music than I do. Oh, no, no, not, not disco. Yeah, no. Disco's not seeing a resurgence by any stretch. And that song in particular, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, this, the song hit number one on the disco charts, and Ring My Bell went to number one on both the Billboard Hot 100 and the Soul Singles chart. So it was popular, but I still never liked it. So take that for what it's worth. All right. Well, we have, uh, uh, we have covered a lot of ground as to what the podcast may become in the next hundred episodes. Uh, as usual, the answer is it depends and we're not entirely <laughs> certain, but again, we invite our listeners to, uh, to let us know what they think and uh, we'll do our very best to, uh, to guide the podcast in the right direction over the next hundred episodes. So thank you guys for, uh, for the discussion and uh, we'll get together in a couple of weeks and try this again. Yeah. Good night. See you next week, gentlemen. The Engineering Commons is produced in affiliation with Big Beacon, a social movement for transforming engineering education, located on the web at bigbeacon.org. For more information about the podcast you've just heard, please visit theengineeringcommons.com. Our theme music is by Paul Stevenson.